You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 114. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, in our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take a look at unique green power producer, Borelex Inc., symbol BLX on the TSX. The company develops, builds, and operates renewable energy power facilities in Canada, France, the UK, and the United States. We recently reviewed the stock for an upcoming renewable power report, and a listener asks us our take on the business. Our star of the week is Expel Inc., symbol XPEL on the NASDAQ, a stock which Keystone clients are very familiar with as it has been a strong buy recommendation in our Canadian small cap growth stock service and our U.S. growth stock coverage for just under three years. Expel, which provides protective films and coatings, including automotive paint protection film, surface protection film, automotive and commercial residential window films, and ceramic coatings, has seen its share price jump 79% this month, over 370% in the last year, and 1,920% since we recommended it less than three years ago at $1.42. Expel reported better than expected second quarter results this week, which uh, boosted the stock. Congrats again to all clients who own the stock. Finally, our dog of the week is Canadian-based financial technology or fintech company Mogo Inc., symbol M-O-G-O on the TSX. Mogo's stock price is down about 18% over the past five trading days. After it announced mixed quarterly results this past week, shares are off about 32% over the past year. Again, this week, despite the inevitable ratings hit, uh, we welcome back Mr. Aaron Dunn from his Partridge family-style tour around BC. And Brennan, you're there, but welcome, Aaron. Thank you very much. So you guys you guys went ahead with the podcast last week without me? We sure Best did. Best rated show ever. Best That's rated show ever. That's what I heard, yeah. I everything know. just seemed to work perfectly it for, was for so time, one smooth. time only, right? So smooth. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. We, we Again, we're going to take a hit this week, but we do enjoy having you back. <laughs> well, and I hope you know, your I'm vacation just help you did guys it go out, well. Though, since th- things went so well, it looks like a nice day out. I think I'm just going to head to the beach, so you know I don't want to cramp your style here, so I'll just... Uh, yeah. Not so I'll Trust me, we're not missing you. We're not missing you. Yeah. But did, did the vacation go well? Did you uh, spread song and cheer around BC, the interior? Yeah, yeah. Everything was good. Got uh, soaked in some sun, um, played in the in the water with uh, with my kids. So That's a good time. That's a good time. You didn't lose any of them up there though, right? No, thankfully no. I've not lost one yet. <laughs> That's quite the track record. You I'm, I'm hoping to keep that track record going yeah, for a little keep while it going. as well. Brennan, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I went up to the lake. It was... A little windy uh, up at Waska Sioux, which is uh, Prince Albert National Park, where I grew up, and uh, 
yeah, it's it's nice, but Saskatchewan, we're, we're starting to, you, you know, you can feel fall in the air. Uh, I mean, I, I want to bite my tongue when I say that because I want more summer Oof. here. Um, yeah. I mean, it was still plus 33 yesterday, but you can just, you know, feel it. It's just that feeling that the trees are, or the leaves are starting to just slowly turn yellow. So yeah. Plus 33 doesn't sound like fall to me, but you're, you're starting to feel it. We, it, we had the hottest day of the year, I think, uh, on the weekend. So it was, it was quite hot. Nice. Sat in the pool for four hours. That was amazing. It was great. So I, I wanted to start off this week, uh, our talking point, uh, it's kind of about stock tips you get in the financial media. Um, we do something called our weekly chat session. We've been doing this for about two decades now. We do it twice a week with our paid clients. Uh, we take questions on current recommendations and or any and all stock-related questions, any stocks you've heard about uh, that you want to get our sober second opinion on it, hopefully sober second opinion Inevitably, we get questions on stocks from that clients have heard about on financial programs such as BNN in Canada or other programs. Uh, one of the things we try to practice when we do these or our analysts do these type of media appearances, we say, if you do not know about the company and it's possible to know about every company impossible, it's best not to comment on it. Now, the problem is we see the opposite occur far too often. An example of this, uh, I was watching BNN last week, and uh, there was an analyst on there commenting on, he's going to remain unnamed on this show. Anyways, he was commenting on ETFs and green investing and was asked about Polaris Infrastructure, a company we have active coverage on, and one that has performed well this year. Now, first off, Polaris is by no means a perfect company. It holds higher than average geopolitical risk uh, and is really just starting its path towards growth in the green power project portfolio, building that portfolio over the long term. But this analyst was asked his take on Polaris. First off, he gets the simple market cap on the business significantly wrong. Then he quoted the dividend yield at over 8% when it was about 5.3%. So that's significantly wrong. Then he went on to state they are paying out most of their profits to shareholders. Well, the payout ratio is actually very low. In fact, it's approximately 20% of their trailing 12-month operating cash flow, which is very low. Then he talks about Polaris having no diversification. Now, this was originally the case with the business as it had one project in Nicaragua, but they now have operating projects in Peru and recently announced diversification into Panama. So the long-term plan here for Polaris is actually all about diversification. Now, again, we say stick to this. If you don't know about a company, best not to comment on it. So our, our advice when you hear these quote-unquote analysts uh, just because you see someone moving their lips on BNN or another financial program, don't assume they know what they're talking about. And most certainly, do not end your, your due diligence on any investment based on a quote you heard on one of these programs. I agree. And, it, 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 and it's, not, it's not a situation where I think that you necessarily need to know everything about a company in order to comment on it. But if no. you're not very knowledgeable on that particular business, you can always you can always preface your your discussion with the fact that you really aren't that knowledgeable about it, and then take it from there um, and give the information that you believe that you have. But certainly, when you've been in this industry long enough, I like I like watching BNN Market Call. I like seeing or hearing about the different opinions that 
that the portfolio managers have on the companies, but it's it's quite frequently when it's they're talking about a company that I have a deep level of knowledge on. Uh, a lot of times, the the analysts and the portfolio managers discussing it really don't know that much about it. So, it's definitely something to consider if you're a viewer. Um, you know, listen to the information. Most of it, I think, is pretty good. I mean, I I, I listen to it myself, but um, you definitely want to you know have a healthy level of of skepticism if if somebody makes any strong statements. I was cruising uh, Stockhouse, and you know, it, which is a bull board. You know, essentially, don't do of, that ever. A, a bunch okay. of anonymous people. We advise against that. But of, <laughs> of course, but but I'm you kidding. know, for example, where there is a lot of misinformation, uh, someone ended up posting uh, this interview up or this market call interview with this analyst, um, and everybody was just ripping them apart in the uh, in the on, on the bull board, I guess. Um, so you know, a place where there's usually a lot of misinformation they were even uh ripping the analyst apart for uh you know uh his lack of knowledge on the business and you know his continually commenting on it i guess one thing i'll say about the bull boards as well is that oftentimes they'll assume that somebody has a lack of information and they'll rip them apart just based on the fact that that other person's opinion disagrees with theirs yeah so a lot of times, but you make a very good point but a lot of times also i mean i'm sure i could go up and talk about a company that um, I have a deep level of knowledge on, and if, if my conclusion disagrees with, you know, some random posters, and they'll think that I'm I'm a complete fool for having that opinion. But yeah, that, that's a good that's point. That's the internet for you. A good point. I think my my take and my advice there was, I mean, there are some great analysts that do some great work on there, but just because somebody is up there talking about an individual stock don't assume that they know everything about that business uh, we can't know everything about every business and often we're asked to comment on stocks we don't know about or know something about and you need to preface that by saying you know a little bit about this and at least get r <laughs> what you talk about right and and in this case it was very striking to watch about four or five separate separate facts quote unquote facts be just dead wrong on that business. So I had to point that out today and just kind of use it as a talking point to say, just because you see somebody at a financial conference on BNN or on CNBC or MSNBC or one of these shows talk about a business, a stock, uh, we would say go a lot further before you actually put your dollars into that business unless you absolutely already trust that person that's talking up there. Uh, because uh, we do see... Uh, far more frequently than we should, people talking um, when about a business they really don't uh, have a great grasp on uh, the underlying investment that they're talking about. So they should know more before they're talking about it as an expert up on the on those stages. Now, um, I guess we can get into our star of the week from our stars and dogs segment. It's time for this week's star. star. Um, it's. I think this is. Uh, I mean, it's awesome to point out, but it, it, the company is uh, Expel Inc. Symbol X P E L on the Nasdaq. Had another tremendous week. Um, it's up to twenty eight dollars and sixty six cents. Its market cap is seven hundred and eighty nine million. Uh, 
what does the company do? They were founded in 1997. They've grown from an automobile product design software company to a global provider of protective films, coatings, including automotive paint protective film, surface protection film, automotive commercial residential window films, and ceramic coatings, as well as a provider of that complementary proprietary software. The the XPEL has been a true game-changing stock from our research in recent years. Following on past game-changers such as Boyd, Engehouse, Jana Systems, WFI, Water Furnace, and more, all of those companies mentioned produce gains of 2,000% or higher from our recommendations. Now, to give you an idea of how much Expel could have impacted your portfolio. Just $25,000 invested in Expel less than three years ago would be worth $505,000 approximately today. Half a million dollars from $25,000 investment. Adding just one stock like this to your portfolio can change your financial picture or future significantly. Now let's look at the star performance over the past Month, the stock is up 79%, 370 plus percent over the past year, and 1920% since we recommended it less than three years ago at $1.42. What drove the stock again this past week and this past month was a shockingly strong Q2. Revenues were actually up 19% to $35.8 million. That marked the second highest quarter in the company's history. Adjusted EBITDA rose 19%. Uh, and also was the second highest in the company's history. Net income grew 32%. All of this in the midst amidst of a global pandemic. Now our take, from a valuation perspective, Expel is no longer cheap, uh, trading with a trailing 12-month PE of uh, around 50 and an enterprise value to EBITDA of around 37, 36 in that range. Uh, there are some questions as to whether some pent-up demand coming out of the shutdown boosted the end of Q2 and May into Q3, where management is forecasting growth over Q3 last year once again, and we'll monitor that situation. We continue to like this business from a long-term perspective and believe management continues to execute very well. Again, congratulations to all clients who own the stock uh, and have posted over 1,900% gains in Excel shares since our recommendation at $1.42. That not only makes it our star of the week, but our star of the year so far. So far. Great stock. (laughs) It's going to be hard to replicate, but yeah. It it is, but but they they are out there. They're they're not companies that you find every day or every week or every month, but, but... they are out there and we just had one of our weekly chat sessions with clients yesterday um one of the questions from clients somebody who bought in our original recommendation he asked well what were the ingredients that you saw that went into a stock that could perform like this like were you able to actually see based on you know the fundamentals that the stock had at the time that it would perform like this and i don't think you ever can i don't think you ever enter into a stock thinking it's going to go up 15 Hundred percent. But what what was found with with XPAL was a company that was profitable. It was somewhat at an inflection point for growth. Um, management had an excellent strategy and outlook going forward in terms of how they were going to grow the business, and it was largely unfollowed. So not a lot of people knew about it. It was not considered to be an exciting business in any way, shape, or form. It was just a profit generating company that was poised for growth and also not hindered 
buy a lot of debt on its balance sheet. And when you find companies with those ingredients combined together, you recommend them over time, you generally, you generally do well. And sometimes you really are able to hit it out of the park. Yeah, no, and Expel was, you know, growth at a reasonable price, great business, and literally no other analyst in Canada covering them when they traded at $1.42. There's basically no other, they were trading on the TSX Venture at that time, uh, back in September 20, uh, 2018, 2017, in that range. Uh, they they had no coverage, despite the fact there's no coverage really in uh, from Canada right now, from any of the brokerages on the stock, despite the fact it's gone from a dollar forty-two to like over twenty-eight dollars, and it's you've never I've never seen it once on you know we talked about BNN earlier, never seen it once recommended on those programs, despite the tremendous growth in underlying fundamentals. You know why it hasn't had to go to the market once to raise capital over this period. Uh, it's grown from internally generated cash flow. So Bay Street, Wall Street, they don't need, uh, they don't make any money off this business. So you don't hear about it. But it's a great uh, time for us to recommend it. It was a great business. It continues to be a good long-term business. And uh, when you have absolutely zero coverage, you can find what we would say a mispriced stock or security and our clients. And we've benefited from that over the past three years. Yeah, it was a, definitely a re- recipe for success. Um, if I could just add to, like, I, I definitely had a, a good personal learning experience from watching Expel climb and uh, not partaking in the rally. Now, I'm a car guy. I see Expel advertising everywhere. I know the company's doing very well. Uh, just looking at the financials, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a company grow quite like Expel just from uh, organic growth. Now, one thing is, you know, I, I did voice to Ryan back or a, a little while back now that I wanted to own Expel in my own portfolio, but essentially I was nickel and diming the stock uh, and wanting, you know, waiting for a pullback where realistically I should have just taken that, you know, quarter position, half position, just dip my toe in the water, especially with a, a, a strong stock, just such a good growing stock. You know, if you love it, you know, just grab a little piece of the pie uh, and and partake in that rally rather than uh, watching the stock go up and be being left on the sidelines. So just just my uh, little personal experience there. Um, but yes, congratulations to clients. Yeah, and we do always get that question. We get that question on a broader scale. I just had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday who's uh, looking to be a potential client. Uh, he had phoned in a month ago and said, you know, uh, I really love what your research. I love what you guys do. I followed you guys for years. I'm just worried about the general overall markets. So this was a month, a month and a half ago. And the markets have, you know, he said, do you think the markets are going to crash near term? I said, there's absolutely no way that I can forecast what the markets are going to do over the next month or two weeks or even three months or even it's difficult over the next year. But what I can tell you is you can control one thing. It's the quality of businesses you put in your portfolio and you start to buy these companies, those 15 to 25 stocks over an 18 to 24 month period, starting creating that portfolio now. Uh, You cannot predict if there will be a correction. If you start now and in six months from now there's a correction, you've probably added six stocks. You've got, you know, 15 or 
or even up to you know 18 more that you may be adding to your portfolio over the next 18 to 24 months you buy them on sale at that point uh trying to time the exact time to enter a stock if you like the business is a good business is difficult just like trying to find the exact time to enter the markets generally and start that journey of building their portfolio is incredibly different difficult but using a strategy of buying good companies knowing those businesses that you can add to your portfolio and building them over an 18 to 24 month period is the strategy that we believe is the best suited for building a portfolio and that's the advice we're going to give in any type of market so we can move on to our uh our your stock our take it's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy sell or hold brennan you're going to look at borelex correct Yes, that's correct. So a question came in from Leonard via email, um, and he says that Borlex was brought up in the forum recently, which I've been watching, uh, and it looks favorable to me. Uh, do you guys recommend it as a buy, and what do you think of the company? Uh, so Borlex Inc. Uh, trades under the symbol BLX on the Toronto Stock Exchange, currently has a price of $33.09, a market cap of $3.2 billion, and a yield of approximately 2%. So Borlex develops, builds, and operates renewable energy power facilities in Canada, France, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Uh, and as of August 6, 2020, uh, its asset base of net installed capacity comprised 2,055 megawatt or megawatts, uh, and its projects under construction or ready to build represented an additional 61 megawatts to be compared to be commissioned by the end of 2020, while the pipeline of secured projects amounted to 228 megawatts. So the key points here is Borlex share price performance has been strong, increasing approximately 107% since the beginning of 2019, all driven by solid financial performance. So looking at the company's uh, most recent financial results for Q2 2020, revenue was up 2% to 151 million compared to the same period last year. Combined EBITDA increased uh, approximately 4% to $107 million, and earnings per share came in at a loss of $0.05 cents, uh, compared to a loss of $0.15 cents for Q2 of 2019. So as some of you might be aware, Keystone has been working to finalize and release our 2020 Canadian Green slash Renewable Energy Report. And within the report, we actually compared 12 Canadian listed renewable energy producers, uh, their valuation ratios and net debt to EBITDA ratio to uncover the best value in the sector. Uh, so just looking at Borelex here, uh, the company's balance sheet is uh, pr pretty highly levered here uh, with a net debt to EBITDA multiple of approximately six times, placing it in the 10th place out of the 12 companies that uh, we, we looked at. And on a relative valuation basis, the company is trading with a trailing enterprise value to EBITDA valuation multiple of approximately 12.2 times, placing it in seventh place, uh, which is a bit of an improvement for how it, uh, how it compared uh, based on its balance sheet. Um, and I would say that the company is uh, reasonably priced based on its growth trajectory, uh, which we do touch on in the full report. So our take. I do believe that Borlex is a decent option for a renewable power producer. They have a slight dividend yield and are highly diversified across the world. But, but to answer Leonard's question, no, we do not have Borlex as a buy recommendation. 
they have exhibited solid growth in the past, which could possibly be expected to continue into the future. They traded a reasonable valuation multiple, but do maintain quite a bit of debt compared to their peers. With this said, we do like a few other companies in the space, which ranked at the top of the list on both a financial position and valuation basis. And if you want insight into those companies and a breakdown of how each of the 12 energy producers stack up to their peers, make sure to get a copy of our upcoming report. Uh, it was a lot of fun to put together. And, uh, you know, I just love when, you know, we do get to the end of the report, you know, put we're just about to release it and we actually, you know, see how companies are stacking up together uh, and, you know, come out with some recommendations. And that really is the key is is rather than just finding a company um, in the renewable space and judging it as a one-off company, you really want to compare it alongside the peers to see well, what does the balance sheet look like compared to the sector? What does the valuation, the growth look like compared to the sector? And I mean, I agree with your assessment on Borlax's debt leverage. Uh, it is high. That's something that's you know been worrisome in the past. One thing that I will say is that with a lot of these renewable power producers, not all, but with a lot of them, um, their their cash flow is highly contracted. So I believe with Borlax, it's it's well over ninety percent of their cash flow, incoming cash flow, is based on long term contracts. So that does allow them to to. to maintain somewhat higher debt leverage because they have higher certainty that they're going to be able to manage the the interest payments and principal payments but you know even within that space we tend to like to really be sensitive uh, and focus on companies that have more uh, reasonable debt leverage and it also gives them ability to you know raise more debt and grow through more debt if they don't already have a lot so borlax very interesting company um, i'm really looking forward to the renewable power report being completed so we can just get a final look at what the sector looks like from a bird's eye view and we already have some recommendations for our clients within that space and we may get another one or two yeah no and i agree uh i like the way you rank them uh you know and you showed uh listeners how they rank in terms of their placing on that list um kind of teasing that list to our to our uh, listeners is great to just show you how Borlax lines up with its peers like Aaron said that's a great way to you know rank a company and f- and figure out where they are at in terms of peers in their industry and figure out where the best value that we can find is and where the best businesses are cuz that's what we're looking at when we uh uh, make a recommendation. Uh, you know, we did this in the cannabis space. We looked at all 200 plus companies in there and came out with basically one recommendation. And you know, it, it was based on profitability. It happened to be one of the only stocks that was profitable in that segment. And it has made a monumental difference in terms of the returns in that segment that we've achieved. There's one basically strong recommendation that we have in there. Uh, we avoided the Canadian space entirely in terms of cannabis. And when you, you know, that came out of peer rankings and uh, how the profitability was not in Canada and we saw it in the U.S. And, you know, it serves us, it serves our clients well over the long term. And having those peer type comparisons is really key for a sector and making a pick because we don't want to often we don't want to buy like, you know, five, six stocks from one sector. You're just overexposed to if there is a sector sectorial downturn trying to pick, you know, some of the pick of the litter from each segment is a, is a better strategy in our opinion. You may have, you know, two or three stocks from a segment, but you don't want, you know, 40% of your portfolio from one given sector. Now, finally, let's look at our weekly dog from our stars and dog segment. It's time for this week's 
dog. That is Mogo Inc., symbol M-O-G-O on the TSX. Aaron, you dug into this one. Certainly. So uh, the current price of Mogo right now is $2.30. It's a $67 million market cap company, so very much a small cap. Uh, Mogo Inc., what do they do? They're a Canadian-based financial technology or fintech company. Mogo offers a finance app and provides a number of solutions for managing and monitoring financial health. These solutions, there's quite a a few of them. Some of the main solutions include what they call a digital spending account with a Mogo Visa Platinum prepaid card. It also features automatic carbon offsetting, so as you're spending money, you can reduce your your carbon footprint. Um, Additional solutions include monthly credit score monitoring, ID fraud protection, and personal loans. Mogo stock price is down 18% over the past five trading days and about 32% over the past year. The company did release its Q2 financial results on August 11th. At face value, the results looked mixed with lower revenue but higher operating income. Total revenue was $10.6 million, which was down 29% year-over-year, but was still just slightly above the company's previous guidance. The company reported that its core revenue was down 6% year-over-year. Mogo did report its first quarter of positive operating income in the company's history, which was $1.9 million for the quarter versus a loss of $1.6 million in Q2 2019. Cash flow from operations was $8.2 million compared to a loss of $5.6 million in Q2 last year. The company also reported that membership increased 20% year over year to $1,040,000 at quarter end, placing Mogo among the largest fintech companies in Canada by total members. So why did the share price drop after the release of the Q2 results? Even though the company did report positive cash flow and operating income, revenue was still down significantly. One thing that investors really need to understand about Mogo is that it is somewhat comprised of two different businesses. There is the financial technology or fintech side, and this is how the company markets itself to investors as a fintech company with an application. But Mogo is also a consumer finance or lending company, and the majority of its revenue actually comes from interest income uh, from the loans. These are really two different businesses, and I think it may confuse investors and result in the company being categorized more with the consumer finance sector as opposed to the technology space. We like how Mogo looks to be transitioning into profitability, and at this point, we can start to do more in-depth research on the company. We did have a discussion with the CEO about one or two years ago at a conference down in LA, and the plan at the time was to transition out of the lending business and become a pure fintech play. Successful fintech companies should garner higher valuations than pure finance companies, but we also have to be cognizant of the risks associated with fintech apps, such as competition and the ability for other companies to replicate the solutions that Mogo provides. 
In conclusion, Mogo is on our watch list. We aren't ready to issue a buy recommendation on the company now, but if they can maintain profitability and subscription growth and also transition into more of a pure play fintech model, then it would be something that we would seriously consider in the future. Yeah, I think, and I remember our conversation with management. We were down in uh, California at a conference there. And, you know, it is, we want to have, you know, some exposure to fintech in Canada and, you know, even into the U.S., um, and it's a segment that we do see potential long-term continued growth in, uh, but we don't. We don't. We need to find growth at a reasonable price. And if we could buy Mogo at what we thought would be a you know a reasonable price based on its underlying cash flow, it might be a business we would look at. Given its transition towards more of a pure play fintech financial technology type business, continue to monitor Mogo. Um, it's interesting. It's on our watch list, but it's not something we're buying right now, just as Aaron said. Uh, I think that's going to end off our show this week. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to keep sending your questions into our Your Stock, Our Take segment, uh, our Ask Us Anything segment. If you want to know anything about the financial markets, about our process. I think we put out something on uh, social media this week about uh, asking for uh, any questions on any uh GARP or growth at a reasonable price, fundamentally valued gold stocks out there. So if you've got any of those, we've had a few coming in so far. So we'll review what we think would be the best one out of the submissions that come in. Send those in. We'll review those and come up with a Your Stock, Our Take on one of those this week. Again, I'd like to thank my co-hosts for hosting with me this week. Uh, I wish my Canucks good luck. They're 2-2 in the uh, first round of the playoffs against last year's Stanley Cup champions, the St. Louis Blues. So hopefully we can uh, pull out a couple wins and win that series. It doesn't look promising right now, uh, given the momentum in the series, but maybe there is no momentum game to game, so we'll see. Thank you for listening, and thank my co-host for hosting with me. I wish you all profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>